0: And.
1: What's up, Panther Nation? Welcome to episode four of Quick Blitz, brought to you by the Riot Network. I am Sheena Quick and my lovely co host, Vashti Hurt. I'm sure you guys know her from Carolina Blitz, and keep blitzing. Be the freshest coverage in the Carolinas. Man, Vashti, week four. What
0: you you got? Week four. You know, we both have gone to training camp one time this week. And a position that a lot of people have been talking about, and I have my eye on today, are the cornerbacks. Specifically, who's going to line up next to um, or alongside or as the number two quarterback aside from Dante Jackson? Right now, there seems to be a competition between Troy Pride, Eli Apple, Stanley Thomas, Oliver. What do you think about that competition at the number two corner spot?
1: I think that you left out an important name. Oh. If you look at the roster and you're looking by position, um we've seen we haven't seen a true corner lineup ac- across from Dante Jackson, and that can be the new normal. But my question um when it comes to that is. Well, we saw some twos and threes we're going we're going speculate on starters, like you know like Shaq Thompson told us earlier this week no one's starting starting spot is set in stone but what what have you seen from 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 the other side i, I want I get I want to get your assessment first and then i'm gonna tell you what i think
0: okay well troy Pry- Troy Pry got a lot of work today um, and it seemed like you know i don't know what who are ones and twos because one thing that we've noticed, or you'll notice, uh, as this as Matt Rule and um, Phil Snow start to put their imprint on this Panthers team, is that they rotate a lot. They rotate a lot. So we know Dante Jackson is going to be QB one right now. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's going to be Troy Pride. And um, you have Jerry Michin, who will probably play that. He'll play more of like a hybrid role. I don't know about Eli Apple. And Stanley Thomas Oliver got a lot of work today. And today uh, at practice, they kind of did some situational type drills. Uh, They did, I think, a two-minute drill. They did um, four minutes. So there was a lot of, like, work as in, you know, game-type situations. So if I had to pick a number two right now, I'm going with Troy Bright.
1: Well, I'm going to go with T.J. Green. What? I'm going to go with T.J. Green. I say that because at both of the practices that I um, observed in person, he got a lot of work at that other um, cornerback position, and he did well. He's a big body. He's fast. He reads routes well. 6'3" which would give the Panthers some height that they haven't really seen at that cornerback position. I know he's listed as a safety, but he's been getting a, a lot of work at, um, at cornerback with the ones. And so at first I was thinking, I'm like, okay, well, if, they have, if they're playing him a lot at the CB2, I mean, well, CB1, CB2, they're interchangeable at right. that cornerback position with the ones, what does that mean as far as what the coaches have seen from Troy Price Jr.? Or from um, Stanley Oliver, Thomas Oliver?
0: They got work today. I didn't see green much at all today. So maybe they are because, I mean, there are no preseason games. So maybe, you know, they're just trying to get as much, you know, they're trying to give people equal playing time in that role. Um, I think, (laughs) well, what do you think about Corn Elder?
1: Um, I thought it was interesting that someone picked him out specifically to ask Coach Rule about today. And um, basically, Matt Rule told us he's fighting for an opportunity, not even necessarily a position, but an opportunity. And I think it's very telling in that statement. Um, You know, since they drafted him a couple of years ago, he hasn't really gotten a ton of action. And the spurts that we have seen, you know, last season, he looked a little bit better. But, you know, a lot of people remember that Seattle game. I think he, that that's why the question was asked. Because he was thrown into the fire, and, you know, it was third and short. And Russell Wilson launched that bad boy, which I think is the ultimate disrespect to a cornerback. You know, it's third and two, third and three, late in the game, and you guys need another first down. And you really – you try me like that over the top? Hmm. And, but – And convert to a first I was going to say, it, it – it's, it's very telling, you know, I, I – it's going to be
0: interesting. I, I can't see Corn Elder making this, like this squad team. this year. I just, and, and this is no knock on Corn Elder. I just, based on Matt Rule's answer today and not specifically him competing for a specific position or a specific role, but just a position on the team, that's, to me, that's very telling. And I just think these, you know, Corn Elder isn't older, but he may not have that speed that they want at that position.
1: Or the speed that they brought in. Like, you know, I mean, they they brought in, a ton, like I said before, we talk a lot about the speed on the offensive side of the ball. But they got some burners on the defensive side of the ball also. You know, Dante Jackson competed in that, you know, million-dollar, 40 yards of gold um, competition last summer, finished second only to Marquise Goodwin, who's a world-class sprinter. So, I mean, that's saying a lot. You have Troy Pride, who was on the track team in Notre Dame. Yeah. So you got a lot of speed. You got some speed guys out there. Um, that doesn't always necessarily translate to being a shutdown corner. You have mm-hmm. to have this one. But there is, the speed is there, and Corn Elder might find himself being the odd man out.
0: So speaking of shutdown corner, can Dante Jackson be a shutdown corner?
1: Dante Jackson can definitely be a shutdown corner, but the details. The devil is in the details, and he talked a little bit. When we talk, When he talked to media, he spoke about, you know, new, um, the new DB coach and how he's, you know, a stickler for detail, and that's what we are missing in Dante Jackson as far as, you know, just observing from the outside in. Well, I'm, I'm not even from the outside anymore, but I'm um, just – just some of the errors that you saw him make last year. He he was very impressive as a rookie. He had times where, again, that discipline comes into play. That detail comes into play, and just actually trusting the route and not relying on just pure speed. Because we saw a couple times he took a gamble and it worked in his favor. But then other times we see it, we see him take a gamble and there's a ninety-plus yard touchdown run. Because he felt like, okay, if, I, if this guy shakes me a little bit, I can make up the difference. I have closing speed. And sometimes that closing speed just is not enough. So I think that he has been able to get away with that for a very long time. The NFL is a different, a different type of animal. But going into year three, I see him being a lot more disciplined, a lot more settled into you know, his routes and his coverage, his bump and run, his physicality. So this, this should be a really good year for him. Just, just seeing how you know he's going to relate to the younger DB coach. He said that 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 made a difference. He's closer in age to him, yeah. so um, it's going to be the devil's going to be in the details for Dante Jackson. If he can get the discipline down and the and the details, he he absolutely has everything needed to be a shutdown corner in the NFL, in my opinion.
0: I, I think so too, and and as you said, it's it's the details, and you know and and discipline I think that I think that Dante Jackson has all the skills that you need to be a shutdown cornerback including like that that braggadocious type swag that you see I mean people don't understand like the play the play is good but those specialty positions they have a swag about them that it just seems like if you don't have that then you know it comes along. It's part of the resume. You have to have that, and I think he has all of that. You know, I, I I can see him having a Josh Norman type turnaround, and you know, Josh Norman came Josh Norman came in, and you know, he had potential, and then it seemed like everything clicked, like that that 2015 season. Yeah, right. And so I think that for Dante Jackson. I think that this could be his year. I think it's important, like you said. Um, I don't know if you got if you if you remember, but Rashawn Golden tweeted that um, Perry Fewell was it Perry Fewell. I think he said he made him. He said once he left Carolina, he started to love the game of football again, and the and and to me, the insinuation is that within that, within that room, within that, and within that secondary, you know, there really wasn't a type of cohesiveness between the players and the coaches. And to hear Dante Jackson speak so highly of his position coach now and say how they text and he's closer. And he mentioned specifically that he's closer in age with him. So he, <laughs> it, he's more relatable. I think that that makes that can make all of the difference in what we see from Dante Jackson this season.
1: Not for nothing. Um, When I would post um, coach fuel to my story, I would get a lot of guys that I'm friends with or grew up with that played for him at some point or a time, some point or another in the NFL. And they didn't like him. He's He's not a player favorite. And I don't know, we don't know what that, you know, what it is because we're seeing the media side of it we see them in the locker room well not necessarily the coaches in the locker room but we see them at the podium and so you don't know what it's like in the trenches and what they're getting Mm -hmm. I will say that um you know and Dante Jackson has not verbally said anything against coach fuel he just it his new coach but as far as you know player relatability What's the tea? What's give us some tea, Sheena? What does without
0: without naming any specific players, but what was what was something that they may have said when you posted him in your in your in your on your Instagram specifically?
1: I don't know if we can curse on here, but I mean it was bad. They're like, I hate that MF. Rock. I can't stand him. You know, he made my time in Jacksonville X Y Z. I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty intense. And I would just remember being like. Because this guy, the guy that in, in particular that, that said what I just said, that made that statement, he's not a rah-rah guy. And I was just looking at the DM like.
0: Wow. Okay. You
1: know I told you, I was like, they don't. People that have played for him do not like him for whatever reason. I don't know right. what it was, but they didn't like him. And I know specifically in the Atlanta game mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. They felt like you know, they were on the field and then you know, defensive plays were called that didn't match the, the scenario, right. that didn't match the situation and that they had never done before. So, of course, when someone – when we see that 90-plus yard touchdown run on sports center, we're not saying, man, those coaches didn't prepare them. We're not saying that. We're like, mm-hmm. dang, such and such got toasted. You know what I mean? So that's very interesting. Now, one, um, one of the coaching assistants, Cedric Whitaker, he's a shorter guy. He's very vocal, very verbal. And um, I just remember him yelling in the DB drills the other day, get his ass off of you. Get his... like, but you need that type of intensity. I, I love know. that. What? I need that that stuck up. Listen. Girl, I'm getting hyped just with you just saying that. When I was in the gym, I was like, get this fat off of me. <laughs> <laughs> I need I need that.
0: I need that. And I think it's important, like for younger guys. And I understand that there's a new school and an old school. And yeah. I think great coaches are able, older, great older coaches are able to mix both of those and still find a way to, you know, appreciate old school football and, you know, and hard nose, hard mouth, really strict discipline and still be able to, you know, go easy on the players, have fun you know, do things that, because that makes a difference. And if we see a huge turnaround from Dante Jackson this year, I think we, it's fair to ask the question.
1: And I think that um, Matt Rule is in assembling his staff. He has done a good job of merging mm-hmm. that old school with the new school. Because, Like I said, Cedric Whitaker, young guy in your face. <laughs> I mean, he's going at him. I know you ain't let him beat you. I know you did it. get his ass off of you. You know, they, when they were trying to share blockers, and then you have Phil Snow. Who's more old school? So, and then on the offensive side of the ball, you have leader of the new school, Joe Brady. Joe Brady,
0: so yeah. They
1: have a really good mixture, and it could be. I mean, I know a lot of people do not have high expectations of this Panthers team, but I think that they definitely have the ability, the possibility of shocking some folks. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I'm saying that they will shock some folks. I,
0: I I completely agree. I don't I don't see them doing as bad. I don't see. Uh, just a two-win season. I I just don't see that. I don't see that, but that could be it. Final question before we move on. Corners, are they the weakest link of this defense right now as it stands?
1: I would have to say yes right now, just because we don't know who's going to be on that other side, and we don't know what third-year Dante Jackson looks like just yet. I like that defensive front four. They have a lot of, they have experience, they have speed. When I say experience, you have, um, you have KK. Right. Who's one of the only returning starters. Right. You know, you have, um, you have Brian Burns. Who has a good upside. You have Derrick Brown, who has an insane upside. Okay. So
0: pause, because you said something about Derrick Brown. I looked at him today. Derek, let me tell you what. He's like that. Let me tell you what. First of all, he is huge. Like he looks like like a tackle. Like he is a tackle. He's not just big, but he's tall and he's fast. Like he I know everybody wanted uh Isaiah, uh, what was his last name? Simmons.
1: Isaiah.
0: Yeah, everybody wanted Isaiah Simmons. People were kind of mad when when Herney made that choice. Listen, guys come
1: one, two, three more years. He's like that. He's like that. I mean, it might not be two, three more. I mean, him and then Stephen Weatherly, you know, is kind of like the unsung hero of that Mm -hmm. defensive line, but he's super fast. He has quick hands and feet. So I think that right now, just because of the uncertainty you have to look at the cornerback position as the weak link just because of the uncertainty.
0: I agree. I mean, totally. I think you have a good mix of youth and speed and experience on that defensive front. And then back in the secondary, you have uh Trey Boston who kind of like he's been here. He's he yeah. and KK are like the elder statesmen, and he brings a, a certain energy and, um, Coach Rule has been very complimentary of Justin Burris. Um, so, you know, I, I, if, if we had to pick a specific position right now that would be the weakest link on the defense, I would agree. I think it would be the corners.
1: I, I definitely think it would be the cornerback. Now, let's move on to a position that pretty much is, is sewn up. CMC has the running backs room sewn up. But we have an interesting little situation here at the number two between Reggie Bonifon and um, Mike Davis. Mike Davis has um, has has worked on his physique in the offseason. He does have experience. And he told us today he, his biggest, I guess, goal is to make sure that there isn't a huge drop-off from Christian McCaffrey to whoever that second back is when Christian gets relieved. I have my theory on how Curtis Samuel can factor into that. But what have you seen?
0: I- you know, I to today. They, they seem to split carries. Um, I think we might've seen more of Davis uh, with the ones, but you know, I think that's really going to come down to ball security. And, and unfortunately it's really hard to gauge that in practice. Cause these guys aren't really going in order to preserve, you know, health. They're not really going at each other, but if I'm looking for a backup to Christian McCaffrey, you know, I'm, I'm, I know as of right now, and I'm not saying that these guys don't have the potential to be, but as things stand right now, there's going to be a drop off. But if Christian has to come out for whatever reason, I need to know at least at the very minimum, the guy that I put in is going to take care of the football. And I think that, that right now, that's the most important thing for
1: that number two back. Now Reggie looked good in that position when he got a couple of carries last year. He popped some some fast ones. He did. He he, he popped off some fast ones. I want to say he used to be a quarterback. I don't know. In college too. So uh, these guys are so versatile. He, he has some versatility there, but they are. They they really are, and that's what you. This team is sometimes on in different, I guess, areas of defense or offense. They are positionless. Yeah which is a gift and a curse. <laughs> it can be a gift and it can be a curse. But, I mean, with the way the 2020 is going, you want guys on the team that can do as many things as possible because you just never know what's going to happen. But I think that, that was that's very interesting. They they, they released um, Jordan Scarlett earlier this week. How do,
0: you, how do you feel about that?
1: I mean, it's a crowded running backs room. And if someone has to go, then, unfortunately, he was the weaker of the of the, you know, of the three that we're speaking of, of Reggie and Mike Davis, if you have to, if one person has to go, it has to be Jordan. I mean, not to say that he's not going to get another opportunity. I'm sure he will. Christian is his team. He's very young. Christian's only, what, 24? Just turned 24, something like that. So, you know, perhaps he'll find a home at a different team that he gets more carries and opportunities with aging legs. or you know, you just never know. Mm-hmm. He, he could land somewhere and ball, ball the hell out. It just wasn't, Carolina just wasn't the place for him with the personnel and in these particular circumstances.
0: Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I didn't think that they were making a huge mistake with that. I just, you know, it's just, it was a numbers thing. I don't think that they would have gone wrong with keeping him either. Um But, you know, at that at that position, also where he would have fallen on you know, we're looking at a what RB two or third running back, special teams play a big role also in how you look in that capacity. So, yeah. you know. All right, Jacob Blake. That is what's going on right now. Um another unarmed black man who was shot by police officers and um it's it's you know, it's taking uh, thankfully right now he is he has he is alive but the latest news is that he is paralyzed from the waist down and um the video is very graphic you can see it it's all over everywhere the entire sports world is talking about this story and i wanted to share some of what the some of the panthers um the panthers responses and some of them were you know retweets but I mean, if you're it's a retweets may not equal endorsements, but a lot of times they do, right? So um I believe it was PJ Walker. PJ Walker tweeted that Black Lives Matter. uh uh, uh Jonathan Stewart, who no longer plays, um, but he uh posted a quote, or I think it was Denzel Washington, who was talking and uh talking about um, I'm, tr- I'm trying to find oh if is the sheep preaching hate when he says I'm not going to let a wolf eat me anymore uh, you can I mean that's a that's a pretty pretty powerful quote if you ask me um, Shaq Thompson retweeted Michael Thomas and Michael Thomas tweeted stop killing unarmed black people uh, he also retweeted, uh, Tyran Matthews saying, damn, they shot that man seven times. Why can't three officers subdue one male? I truly need answers. Y'all comment on everything else. Um, Kenny Robinson retweeted Donovan Mitchell's tweet and Donovan Mitchell was very passionate, all caps, F the games and playoffs. This is sick and is a real problem. We demand justice. It's crazy. I don't have any words, but WTF, man, this is why we don't feel safe. So um, uh, let's talk about NFL guys being more vocal or at least showing more emotion on social media how do you do you you see a change from let's say now a couple years ago well
1: it's absolutely a change um but since then we have also seen NFL players take more I guess ownership of their career and when I say that I mean, it's like across the board. We saw Antonio Brown for what it's worth. Everybody can say what they have to say about him and meme him and everything else. But that man was the first person that pretty much treated his like he took his contract negotiations into his own hands. A lot of times, we saw the CBA from NFL. The owners control players' fate. He took mm-hmm. that fate in his own hands and he went where he wanted to go. For Grant, granted, it didn't you know pan out the way it could have. But he was the first person I know in a contract that was moving like a free agent. He was like, well, I ain't going, I'm not going to New York. I'm not going up there. You know, so I think that that part has kind of translated into just more, you know, people are getting more, more on guaranteed money. They're sitting out. They're becoming more vocal all the way around. And it's only natural for this to be a part of that maturation and part of that progress as well now a couple of years ago you still had players that would speak up you had the eric reeds you had even the julius peppers you know you had those guys but then there were some guys that were kind of you know not necessarily household names and you know they didn't want to shake the boat they didn't want to do too much but now people are more comfortable in their blackness and in their demand for justice
0: in my yeah, opinion i i, I yeah and I think that that's important, especially with players. Like football is great, and I I don't care how much Jerry Jones thinks that he um, runs things, but he's not going on that field and throwing a ball or catching the ball or lining up in the trenches. Like football is about the players, and the players make the game. And it seems like they're finally understanding that without us, there there's nothing. So why not? you know, use our voices collectively and and be open and speak out against things that affect us, affect us directly. I mean, and so it's good to see guys be more vocal. I think that there are still a lot of guys who are fearful um, of speaking up uh, as far as, you know, it's and even in this climate now where more people are are vocal, I do think that there's an uh, underlying fear uh, amongst NFL players, specifically when it comes to professional athletes, as far as speaking out. But I am happy to see that they're doing it more so. And even if it's a simple retweet, you're showing your position and your stance on um, where, 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 what's happening and where things are.
1: Just like Stephen Weatherly said to us a couple of, um, maybe like last week or so, he said black lives matter and not just the ones that you root for. He even went on to explain how, you know, there's been certain instances where, you know, if someone did not know that he was a professional football player, he's treated differently as a black Um, man in America or his other family members, his cousins, you know, nieces, nephews, uncles, people that are not, that don't have that same, you know, professional, um, professional sports identity are getting treated in America. He he has acknowledged it. He plans to um advocate for social justice with the decal, but um also I saw the Dontari Poe, ex Carolina Panther, current Cowboy, current Dallas Cowboy is going to be the first first Cowboys player to actually kneel.
0: Did you did you hear though what Jerry Jones was trying to trying to do? He said that he, you saw that Dante uh, Jerry Jones, Jera, whatever, <laughs> says that he is going to talk to Ontario Poe because he wants his players to stand for the national anthem, and as an alternative, he would like to see them possibly kneel before the national anthem, like they did in that spectacle that they had uh, a couple. Was that a couple of years ago? It was. Yeah. So, you know, do you? How do you think, pro? other than the patch, because, you know, we, we've heard that players will be allowed to, and if you don't know, players will be allowed to support a cause or um, speak out against racial injustice through a patch on their uniform. But outside of that, how do you think players, how, what ways do, we, do you think we'll see players
1: protest during the season? I do think we'll see kneeling. I think we'll see kneeling. Um, the NFL could take a page out of the NBA's playbook when it comes to being more, I guess, empathetic to the cause, considering the majority of its players are African-American. Um, I think the reason we don't see it, see as much freedom on the football side is, is, is just the way that the contracts are are structured. You know, yeah. the, I mean, some some people have guaranteed money. Most do not. The NBA, their contracts are guaranteed. So they're good, and then
0: the NFL players. And, and the, to me, this is a players' union thing. Their contracts are wrapped up in so many different clauses that even if, if you do something that may be considered detrimental to the team or detrimental to the franchise or whatever, like you can really attach a lot of different things to that. And so, I just think, I just like, Earl, hmm? yes you can attach a lot and they just let them exactly and you know you can attach a lot of different things to those clauses you can say oh well you did this and this is not you know I, i that's the i wish that nfl players would get to that point um that NBA players have gotten to as far as their outspokenness because I know that these guys feel the exact same way like this isn't like oh NFL players like they just they they just don't have the same feelings as NBA it's far from the truth they have the exact same feelings the exact same experiences that's what comes with being black in America and a lot of times they discuss these these things privately amongst themselves or amongst their family and friends but they don't feel comfortable with voicing how they feel to the general public in fear of losing their jobs. And, and, and I get that. I get that. But also there's no LeBron James in the NFL. Like, I mean, if you think about it, who would that person be? Maybe, maybe a Patrick, Patrick Patrick Mahomes, Mm -hmm. but I can't see him taking extremely strong stances on stuff. That's race related. I can't see it. And it would it would take and with that maybe it's a top down approach. Everything isn't trickle down, but I think with that, like that's why Patrick Mahomes being in that video that they post and they demanded the NFL to do certain things that was so important. Absolutely. But being as strong of a of of a face and like a LeBron James, I don't Mm -hmm. see there is there isn't one on the NFL there there is there simply isn't and that makes a difference
1: absolutely absolutely it definitely makes a difference and as we gear up we're getting closer and closer to the start of the season or the scheduled start of the season uh, girl and <laughs> here in North Carolina we still do not know as of yet if your Carolina Panthers will be playing in front of fans Governor Roy Cooper has not you know, divulge that information. But what we do know is that the, um, fan fest tomorrow night is going on as planned. It's just going to be a fest with no fans.
0: (laughs) I like that. (laughs) So basically Panthers fest, just Panthers fest.
1: That's cool. Panthers Fest. You know, and I mean, it sucks that the Panther, that the fans can't get that experience, but of course we have to be responsible and, you know, no people didn't wear their mask a couple of months ago, but, um. But um, as far as the players, though, it gives them a good indication. It's it's as close to a a game experience as they might get this season. They're going to be under the lights. They'll be playing primetime. time, um, practicing at seven p.m. tomorrow night, but with no fans. It'll be interesting to see if the um the, if the stadium pi- pipes in some crowd noise and things like that, and just how the players respond to it is what I'm I'm looking forward to seeing.
0: Yeah, I, you know. Matt Rule said he's going to run it like a regular practice, but when the cameras are on you, is it ever really a regular practice? I mean, they're going to have to do something to keep people entertained. I don't know what we go and see. Like, you and I, we're studying different things. We're looking at different things. But NFL is still entertainment, and it's going to have to go a little beyond a regular practice to keep people engaged. As far as not having any fans, like, I've thought about this. I think with college it would have a more more of an impact than with pros i think that you know nfl yeah it's great to have fans but once you get to that level you've kind of learned how to get into a certain zone where you are just blocking out everything else and so you don't need that Yeah, people feed off crowd, crowd adrenaline and crowd, yeah. But these grown men, like, that zone, I think that they'll be able to channel that level of competitiveness and the level of aggression that they would regardless of whether they're fans there or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of the guys have told us is that they get into a zone anyway, but, you know, they have no choice but to zone, but to, you know, just be completely tunnel vision because a lot of these guys are fighting for a job. This is their preseason game. So, for what it's worth.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll see tomorrow. But even as the season starts, I, I don't think. I mean, I don't anticipate there being fans, but I also don't anticipate that being, like, a huge issue. They'll play some music. They'll pipe in some noise. Like, if we look at what the NBA has done, they have done an incredible job of... <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was a skeptic. I was like... Me too. This this is going to be like, (laughs) AAU, it's going to be boring. We're not going to be able to hear. I mean, and I watched the games literally feeling like, Okay, like I'm watching a legit game with the piped-in yeah. noise and and the music and the defense chants and I'm assuming that the uh, luck, hopefully the NFL is taking a page out of the NBA's book and also the play on the court that we've seen on the NBA I, I haven't seen any difference. If anything, we've seen some really like dialed Ooh. in type. Yeah performances and that may that may be what we see on the football field as well I'm hoping I'm hoping that that's
1: you know. it's quite possible but um, I know you guys have you members there of the um the roaring riot have you seen the home gating packages I, they had,
0: I did well I think I saw a New Orleans one uh, where uh, it came with some beads and like a a banner on the table I thought that was a pretty dope idea
1: yeah, it's pretty dope. I mean they, they have done a good job of keeping fans engaged without fans being able to physically be at the stadium. So it should it should be interesting, man. What, look when I took that picture outside of the um the new bubble and it was we were going through the tunnel and I was like, Okay, you know what the off season is gonna be. Prepare, buckle up. I was talking about players. I didn't know that Ronald was about to <laughs> kick in the dough waving the faux faux. Like I had no idea. Saying, yeah. That come August, we would still be grappling with this. Girl, Rona came through
0: bucking,
1: okay? Bucking. What, what sports?
0: What summer? What vacation? What party? What day parties? Oh, no, nah, no. Nah, We're not doing <laughs> none of that. So
1: everything. Sewed everything up. Yeah. Everything, man. So you guys are listening and you are skeptical. You can be skeptical. Just please put on a mask. Even if you don't think it's doing anything. It can't do any harm. Even if you don't think it's helping, just put on your mask, man. you know, but you know what I find interesting?
0: I just saw a report on the news and um, over the last, I think, week or so, the cases in the United States are going down. And I can't help but think that that could be directly tied to sports and the well, possible, like, cancellation of sports. Even you'll have, even in your most rural anti-mask like i'm not wearing a mask or you know i don't believe they are still wearing masks because oh well football is important enough where if i can say football by wearing a mask i don't care about the people but i want my football so i mean if if football is getting people to be safer and 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 comply listen let's go let's go because you know we would like to have a season We just don't want people's lives to be at, at stake in order Absolutely. to do so. Absolutely. All right, guys. I think that's it. We went through four topics. Thanks for kicking it with us. This is our fourth Quick Blitz. Make sure you're subscribing wherever you get your podcast. Also, make sure you're following us on social media. Make sure you're following Sheena at Sheena underscore Marie, right? Three and also quick out of the blocks and make sure you're following Carolina Blitz at keep blitzing or you can follow my personal page at Vashti hurt so thank you guys for tuning in we will be back next week with more of our observations from training camp <laughs>